Well, good morning. That sounds good. How many of you scored 100% on Bible trivia this morning? Brenda Foster, she's a teacher. Thank the Lord she scored 100 on the Bible trivia this morning. I'm excited about that. Hey, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Aren't you? Amen. Hey, listen, you might wonder why I walk out here every morning. I stand here and just smile. And, and, and Chris comes, you may think he's just taking my picture. But what he's doing is I ask him the first time, do you want my better side? And he said, I'll let you know when I find it. <laughs> I've gone around in circles till I've become dizzy up here. Listen, I want you to welcome our favorite pastor, Dale Roach. Let's give him a hand this morning. Hey, we're in a season of selection of leaders. Last Sunday, we began that process by working on our nominating team. And today, I want to read you a passage of Scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote to 1 Timothy when it came to the decision about deacons within the church. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Now, the reason I read that scripture to you is because today we begin the process. We begin the process. We have four good men rotating off, and we need to find four men to replace those positions. Now, here's what I want you to do before you write anything down on those slips that have been given. And if you don't have any of those, we have some ushers that can uh, be sure that you get one of those. So just, we have some hands going up, guys. So uh, if you don't have uh, those slips, you need to get those. And then what we will do is we will place those into the plate uh, as, as you leave here today as we did with our nominating team last week. Now, next week we'll vote on our nominating team, and week after that we'll be voting on our deacons. So the nominations that we put forward, one of the things I want you to do during the service is don't do this quickly. I want you to think about this and pray about this and really ask the God, our God to, to give you leadership and guidance in this. It's one of the things I can assure you that me and the pastoral staff have done and one of the things we hope that every person in this place will do. And so as we think about our leaders for the coming year, we've been truly blessed with the leaders of the past. And we just want to ask God's ordination on this, His direction. And now I want to turn it over to Bud Babb, who's going to come up to you and talk to you and lead us in prayer for just a few minutes. Bud. What he said. That was what I was going to say. It is a serious subject uh, to uh, put these names on there. We have a lot of qualified good men who are available, and it's a, a very grave, if you want to put it that way, decision, but uh, we have the people here to fill those positions. Thank you for being here today. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you this morning thanking you just for allowing us to be here. 
We thank you for the blessings that you give to us. We come here to praise your name, to worship your name, because you are the one and only truly God. We thank you for our pastoral staff. We thank you for the work that they do. We thank you for all the people who fill the positions, teachers and so forth, and you name it, Lord, that make this happen here at this church. Lord, we want to do what you want us to do. We want you to believe that what we do is sincere and that it's all for your glory and your power. Lord, now we pray that you be with this Spirit. This Holy Spirit will be here today in this service. That the music that is sung, that the sermon the pastor will bring to us. We pray that you'd help us to be in a prayerful state and listen to what you have given to Dale today to give to us. And once we hear it, be not only hearers, but be doers also. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just a reminder to the choir that we will be having rehearsal today at 5. Hey, how many of you remember an old gospel song called There's a New Name Written Down in Glory? I see that, and guess what? This ain't it. (laughs) But I want you to stand together when we learn a new arrangement of that song, a little different thought. Story, and he's mine. Yes, he's mine. 
am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am.
remain standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. Don't you just love the energy that Scott and the musicians bring every Sunday? Wonderful. We're going to be reading this morning from Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sold good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And the slaves said to him, Do you want us to then, then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. For while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air may come and nest in its branches. And he spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. And all these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable. This was to fill what was spoken through the prophet. 
I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and he went into the house and his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And then the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, good morning, everyone. And we continue our study in the parables of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful way for us to learn when someone tells us a story and something that we can remember. You know, the parable that you were just read comes from um, Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 24. And when you read that parable, you'll find that that parable is explained when you get down to verse 36. But this is not the first parable of the story of sowers and gardens that Jesus told about and then he explained. In fact, one of the most important things that we have to do when we read God's Word is not skip around too much, but try to take in the whole story. And when you go to chapter 13, one of the things that you will see that Jesus, He doesn't just tell a story once about someone who plants a garden but he tells a story twice about someone who plants a garden. When you look in uh, chapter 13, beginning with verse 1, you'll find this story. That same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it And while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, And here's the first parable that I want you to listen to as you heard this parable that was read to you today. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path, and the birds came and they ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Now, I want you to hold on to that thought right there, because this thorny or weedy section that Jesus talks about is what he's talking about in the second parable. But Jesus says these, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, till other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So this was the first parable that Jesus tells us in chapter 13. And when we read this parable, one of the things that happens is the disciples come to Him and they ask Him, Lord, could you please explain that to us? They heard the story, but they wanted to know what it was that Jesus was saying. 
But before Jesus did that, one of the things he did was he explained to them how important parables were. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? That's found in Matthew 13, verse 10. And then Jesus went on in verses 11, and this is another reason why it's so important, I believe, for you to bring your Bibles with you as we study God's Word. Because there's many times that I'm going to be referring back to passages of Scripture that if you've got your Bible or you can look it up on the phone that you have with you and you can see these passages of Scripture, it's very important for your eyes to be looking at what God's Word is saying. And so when Jesus tells this parable, and then His disciples ask Him, why are you saying these parables? Why do you do this? He replied, because this is verse 11, because the kingdom, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. In other words, Jesus is saying that when the Word of God is being taught, when the Word of God is being proclaimed, that there are going to be some people who are willing to hear God's Word and some who are not. Now hold on to this, because when we get to the parable that was just read to you just a few moments ago, you're going to understand what Jesus is talking about when He talks about wheat and He talks about tares. But in this passage of Scripture, in chapter 13, verse 13, Jesus went on and He said this, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I'll heal them. So one of the things that we see that Jesus is saying about God's Word is that God's Word comes to us and as God's Word comes to us, there will be several, several people who gather in congregations today who will hear God's Word, they will understand God's Word, and there will be others who will get up and just walk out of church and they haven't understood a thing. Why? It is because it has something to do with the condition of our hearts. You know, one of the things I want to say to all of you who've been born again and those of you who've been saved is that when you gave your life to Christ, when you surrendered to Christ, one of the things that happened to you, not only were you given eternal security of knowing that when you die you're going to go to heaven, but the Lord has also opened up your mind and your heart to hear His Holy Word. When we hear this parable, one of the things that Jesus, when He goes on to explain this parable, when you go down to verses 18 and following, He says, listen listen then to what this parable of the sower means. And so this man who went out to sow, He says, now I'm going to explain to you what this means. And He says, there will be seed that will be thrown out. The Word of God will be thrown out. But some of that Word of God will fall on a hard path. In other words, the Word of God will not be able to penetrate some hearts. 
It's almost like God's Word comes to them and it just bounces off. Some people will go to church today and they're so busy with the things of the world that they're not ready to hear what God has to say. They don't go into church with an open mind and an open heart ready to receive what God's Word has to say. And Jesus says that the Word of God is coming at us, but for many of us, it is like taking a seed and bouncing it off the sheetrock. It can't penetrate. It can't go in. Then Jesus said that the Word of God will come to some people and that it will go shallow in their life. That it won't go very deep. They will receive the Lord. They will take the Lord in. They will take the understanding of God's Word into their life. And it will go just a little bit. And then it will sprout up. I don't know if y'all have ever had any experience with this, but I've had a little bit of experience with trying to make my yard look pretty good. In years past, one of the things that I discovered is you've got to plant the seed at the right time. You've got to plant the seed at a time where the seed will go deep. Because if it doesn't go deep and then it pops up and then it goes through the weather like we're going through right now, the sun will hit it hard and it will burn it up. I don't know if any of y'all have ever had that experience, but I've had that happen a few times. Where I've killed a few plants because I didn't plant them deep enough. I didn't plant them at the right season. And Jesus said that is the way the Word of God is for some people. That they will go to church, they will hear the Word of God, they will even get in the Bible and they'll study God's Word, but God's Word doesn't go very deep with them. They're not opening up their hearts fully and completely to the Word of God. And one of the things I want to say to all of you is that one of the things I have to work on consistently in my life, is opening up my heart and allowing my heart to hear and be tendered to the Word of God. And when God's Word can come into my heart and it can go deep, there's some solidity to that. There's some solidness to that in my life. But Jesus said there's some seed that will go out and it doesn't go very deep. And then the enemy comes in. Satan will come into their life and he will just completely burn it up. And then Jesus, in that first parable there in chapter 13, He talked about the seed that hit the hard ground. He talked about the seed that hit the shallow ground. And then He talked about seed that hit weedy territory. And that was the parable that was just read to you. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. Because you need to understand that there are many Christians today who have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. They have gone deep with Him in their life, but they have allowed weediness. They have allowed things in this world to wrap around them. In fact, Jesus said that the thorns that wrap around those folks in that first parable that He tells us about, He said there are three things that happen to people when those weeds wrap around their life. The worry of this world the wealth of this world, and this world itself. So there are many Christians today who have given their life to Christ. They've been trying to follow Him faithfully, but they just absolutely allow worry to consume themselves. i got a dear member of my family. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I'm going to tell you what. She worries too much. And when she worries... It is defeating in her life. And one of the things that I want to say to all of you who are here today, that if you have given your life to Christ, if you have surrendered to Him, you've gone deep with the Lord, one of the things that the enemy is a sure-fire trickster about 
is bringing worries into our life that absolutely destroy God working in us and God being able to do good things. In fact, when it gets to the place that we're worrying more than we're really being in the Word of God and we're trying to follow the Lord, the worries of this world will consume us, they will wrap around us, and they will choke us to death. Jesus also said in that first parable that not only does worry do that, but when we focus on wealth, it will choke out the power of God in our life. You know, I, I, I had a guy one time who was a, a, a church member of mine years ago, and uh, I, I was talking to him about, uh, he bought real estate like crazy, and, uh, and just buying it like left and right all the time. And I asked him one time, I said, uh, do, you, do you ever get tired of doing that, or do you have a stopping point? And he said, no, I really am not going to stop. My goal is to buy everything next to me. Now think about that for a minute. Buy everything next to me. So when he buys something, it just consumed him. You know, he was going to buy something all the time. And so one of the things that we know that happens in this world, that it, wealth itself does not satisfy the human soul. I have known some people in my lifetime who have been filthy rich, but yet there seems to be an emptiness and a vacancy in their life that the, even if you knew how much they made or how much wealth that they have, you'd think, well, I believe I could be happy with that. But Jesus warned us that the worries of this world and the wealth of this world can consume us and choke the very love of God out of us. I know some of you are sitting in this congregation right now. You've got good careers. You've got good things that you're working on. And here's my question for you. Does that consume you to a point that you put the Lord Jesus second place in your life? In your life? It happens. And Jesus was trying to warn the early believers that there are these worries and the wealth of this world that will absolutely surround us and choke the life of God out of us. And then Jesus went on and he talked about that fourth seed that the sower sows out. The first falls on hard soil. The second falls on shallow soil. The third falls in good soil, pops up, but the worries of the world and the weeds of life choke the love of God out of them. And then that fourth thing Jesus said, but there are some that when they hear the Word of God and they understand the Word of God and they are willing to follow the Lord, that the Lord can take their simple life. And Jesus tells us, if you look at that passage of Scripture over at verse 23, He says this, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the Word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what is sown. What would it be like if God could take our lives and produce thirty times us? 60 times us, 100 times us. What would it be like if we surrendered to the Lord and we gave over to Him and the Lord was able to do the things that He wants to do in all of our lives? It would be amazing. You know, there's a lot of people that think the way you have success in businesses is when you've got more money, you've got more people. That may be true in some ways. 
But what's really great is when we have the resources that God has designed and God has brought together. What would it be like in the businesses that you run and the church that we have if all the people that God has chosen, He brings them together and those people are willing and absolutely willing to be obedient to Him and follow Him and they produce 30, 60, 100 times themselves. Now think about that for a moment. That wouldn't take a crowd of people. It would take just a few people, and that's one of the reasons why when you look at how Jesus did His ministry, Jesus selected 12 men who became His disciples, and out of that 12, He lost one of those. But Jesus has been able to change this world because of the investment that He made in those 11 men that were willing to follow Him, those men who were obedient to Him, and the Lord anointed them, and He produced 30, 60, 100 times what those men were capable of doing on their own. You see, this is what the kingdom of God is all about. And this is what Jesus was trying to get the early believers to listen to. And now He tells us not only the story about the sower who sows the seed, now what Jesus does is He takes our direction and He points us toward the weedy section of the sowing that's going on. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Now I want you to understand that I believe that there are seven basic principles in this story that Jesus is trying to get us as the church of Jesus Christ to understand and to grab onto. This parable that he's telling, he's focusing on the weeds. He's focusing on that area that can cause a lot of confusion in the church. You know, it doesn't take a lot of bad things to happen in a church for it to really go in the wrong direction. It doesn't take a lot of bad things in our lives individually for us to go in the wrong direction. But Jesus said this man went out and he sowed these great seeds. And the Bible tells us that these, these wheat, they begin to pop up and there were tares that were also popping up along beside them. Now, here's the thing about wheat and tares. When you start, if you go out into a field, if we had a field like Jesus had in those days, or the disciples had in those days, and they plant the wheat and the tares start popping up, one of the things that we notice is that tares look a lot like wheat when you first notice it. And you really can't tell the difference between tares and wheat until the wheat is mature. But the followers of the man of the vineyard knew what was going on. And as they looked, they saw something is wrong here. And one of the things, they went to the Lord and they said, let us go in there and pick all the bad things out. Let us take all the nastiness out of there. But the Lord who had planted that wheat said, no, no, no. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to cause trouble. I don't want you to cause conflict. I want you to allow it to to keep going. And then when it comes harvest time, we'll go in and we'll separate it. You know, that's one of the stories there that I believe that the Lord is wanting us to hear as His followers as we think about our church and we think about our ministry. Do we have wheat and do we have tares within our fellowship? Possibly. 
In fact, if we are the average congregation, there are some in this congregation who are faithfully following the Lord with their full heart. And they may be, there are probably some who are not. And it is not my job as the pastor, it is not the pastoral team staff to go through this congregation and start picking out who belongs and who does not. That is our Lord's position to take. But when we look at this passage of Scripture and we think about weediness in the church, one of the things that Jesus points out in this story is He explains this story the same way He explained that first parable to His disciples. And when you look at verse 36, it says this, Then He left the crowd and He went into the house, and His disciples came to Him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. Do you know that one of the reasons that most churches have conflict among themselves is because there's weeds in the church. And one of the reasons that that conflict arises is when things are tried to be handled in the wrong way. But I want to assure you of one thing. Our God is in control. Our God knows every single one of us by name. He knows every hair on our head. He knows every detail of our life. And He knows who is those who are the wheat, and He knows those who are the weeds in the crowd. And Jesus, when He said to His disciples, He gave them seven principles that they needed to grab onto and understand how we handle conflict, how we handle opposition, how we handle things in our church the way the Lord tells His disciples to do it. And He first, in this passage of Scripture, one of the first things you will understand when you're looking at verse 37 is that the sower of good seed is Jesus. The sower of the good seed is Jesus. We want to have good seed in this church, then Jesus Christ has got to be the center of all we do. One of the things that the guys and I, when we meet in our staff meetings, and when we're talking about things here at the church, I can assure you that one of the things that we're trying to do is to follow Jesus every day of our life. Those of you who are teaching in this church, I hope that is a desire that you have. So the first principle, if we're ever going to handle weeds within the congregation, we've got to understand this, that Jesus has got to be the sower of the good things in our church. And any time we make a decision about anything, whether it's to spend money, whether it's to build anything, whether it's to start a new ministry, we need to ask one simple question. Is this what Jesus wants us to do? And if we can't answer that, then we might ought to put it on the back burner and let it sit there for a while. Because one of the things that can happen if we're not careful, if Jesus Christ is not the center of it all, if He's not the one guiding us, well, folks, we're in, we're in trouble for weeds coming along real soon. And weeds being the dominant force in our life. So principle number one, how do we handle weeds and thorns within our congregation? We first go to Jesus as the main sower of the good news of the gospel and of the teachings that we, we need. The second thing that this parable tells us, it tells us about the field. What is he talking about when he's talking about the field here? When you read this passage, it says the one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. 
One of the things that we have right now around us is a mission field that's growing every day. I tell you, if you just really want to see how things are changing, just get out and head into some of the country that uh, you thought was country, and now there's three or 400 homes being built in these neighborhoods. The Lord is bringing the world to us. And one of the things that Jesus was telling His disciples is that His message and what He has to say, we are to take it to the world. We are to express ourselves to the world. And if we're not willing to do that, if we're not willing to share what we know about Jesus, then we're we're really going to miss this command that Jesus gave us. Number two, the field being the world. Are any of y'all kind of surprised at the way things have been changing around us lately? This world is just expanding. And the need for the gospel has been expanding more than any time I've ever seen in my lifetime. The third principle that we find about how to handle the weeds, first of all, we've got to put Jesus first. Secondly, we've got to understand that we've been called to reach the world. Third, the good seed, who are they? The Bible tells us that... The good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. We are the good seed. We are the kingdom of God. We are the message that that this world needs to hear. And folks, I don't know how you feel about it, but one of the things that we've got to do is we've got to share the love of Christ that we know with others around us. When's the last time that you shared your walk with the Lord with anyone else? What have you told them? about your salvation? What have you told them about being redeemed and you know where you're going? I tell you, the Lord is opening up all kinds of doorways for us. So what we see when we understand how the weed is going to be attended to, how we're going to overpower that, that's when Jesus first is number one in our life. We understand that the world around us is the field, the mission that God has called us to. And the good seed, we're the good seed. That God wants to use us as the good seed. And how we spread the gospel is very important. And then number four, the weeds. What are the weeds? What is that all about? Well, Jesus goes on and He says, The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. So when we look at this passage of Scripture and The fourth principle and the fifth principle, we see that the weeds of this world are the people of the evil one. Let me ask you all something. You ever run into anybody evil? You all work with anybody evil? I'm not going to ask you if you live with anybody evil, okay? But have you ever had to deal with that? I've had to deal with that in my life. and I mean, I've had to deal with some really mean people, hateful people. You know, you kind of walk off from them and you think, wow, boy, where did that poison come from? Well, I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from the depths of hell. It comes from Satan himself. And the Bible teaches us in this passage of Scripture that the weeds that are around us, these are the people of the evil one. And then the fifth point is this, that the enemy who sows, this is the devil. 
So one of the things that you can know without any doubt is that there is spiritual wickedness roaming this earth, trying to destroy the good things of God. And one of the things I want to tell you, and I've shared this with you before, I will never forget this. I will never forget this. I was coming, I was in college and I was riding home. I was uh, still at home uh traveling to go to school during the day hadn't moved on campus yet over at Gardner Webb and I came to a place I can take you to the location where it was a stop sign that I was at and as I was sitting at that stop sign I was listening to the Black, Mount, uh, Black Mountain station and it was a great Christian place and, and I was listening to an interview that was done with a Wiccan witch and the Wiccan witch was talking about if you don't know anything about Wiccan witches just go to Asheville they're all over the place up there But this Wiccan witch was basically saying that their goal was not to destroy, her goal was not to destroy the church. What she wanted to do was get inside the church and to infiltrate it and to take it over. Folks, I want to tell you something. This pandemic that we've been through right now, don't you think for one second that the enemy is not trying to invade churches and poison them with his message? But this church of ours that has been faithful, oh my goodness, man, I love bragging about this church, about how you have been faithful, how you have been true, how you have been solid to God's Word, how you have been thriving on God's Word, how you've been studying God's Word. It has kept us in the truth. And when we are in the truth and we are obedient to the Word of God, Satan cannot contend with us. And when the enemy comes at us and he tries to poison us and he tries to infiltrate us, let me tell you, there is no mistake and it is not by happenstance that I stand up in every meeting that I have in this church and the first thing that I do is I present the Word of God to all of our leaders just as I did with you today as we were talking about deacons. Let me tell you something. That one passage of Scripture over in 1 Timothy is solid foundation of how we should choose our leaders. Not of our own opinion, but God's Word. And when we stay in God's Word and we thrive in God's Word and we feed in God's Word, the truth of God will be solid in our lives. And that is one of the things that we learn that when the weeds of this world, the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows the devil himself, that we have the foundation of God's Word, the solid Word of God from Genesis to the Revelation of John to tell us what it is that we should be doing and how we should be following our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's also two other things that I want to point out to you about weeds. First of all, Jesus sows the good seed. This world is a field that the Lord is trying to plant good seed. Number two, number three, the good seed is the people of God, the kingdom people, us. Number four, the weeds are people that follow the evil one. Number five, the enemy who sows, that is the devil. But number six and number seven talks about harvest. About harvest. How God wants to grow us. And He wants to grow this church. And He wants to see us do great things. And one of the first things that you need to understand when He speaks of the harvest, it says this, And the enemy who sows them is the devil, but the harvest is the end of the age. 
And the harvesters are angels. Now I just talked to you a lot about the devil, didn't I? And I don't want you to walk out of here thinking that his power and his strength are more powerful than our Lord and Savior. Because the Bible teaches us that Michael the archangel who stands at the throne of God, Lucifer who fell from that position, that the angels of God and the power of God, let me tell you one thing about the enemy. They cannot contend with the angels of God. They cannot contend with the power of God. And when it comes time for God to bring in the harvest and to bring in the good things, the Bible tells us that there's going to be an age. There's going to be a time when God's going to come back. He's going to call us all home. And we're going to stand in front of God. And there's going to be a separation of good and evil. And those of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life, we will stand by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And those who do not know the Lord Jesus as their Savior and Master of their life. They will be separated and the Bible tells us that they will be cast into a fiery blaze. That there is a true eternal hell that awaits those who are against the movement of our mighty God. And the harvest is coming. And the harvest is going to be good. It's going to be a time when the Lord is going to call us all home and we're going to be together. But while that is taking place and before that takes place, one of the things that we all need to grab onto and be solid about is who we are following in our life. And to ask ourselves one simple question. Am I of the wheat or am I of the weeds? Jesus gave two other illustrations about the kingdom of heaven. And He said this, verses 31 and following, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Joyce, I wish you brought me the mustard seed today. You've done that before, that tiny little mustard seed. Y'all, y'all remember that? Those of you who've been here and I preached this sermon before, before I did, you got it? Let me have that, Joyce. You got it? Let me have that. Thank you, Joyce. I love Joyce. She's the biggest amener I've got in the church, by the way. If some of you visiting don't know that. That's my amen. Y'all can't even see. Let me see if I can get one of them up here. That mustard seed right there. That tiny little thing right there. I wish I could scoop it in so you could see that. All of these are little tiny ones. Amazing. The Bible tells us in this passage of Scripture that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. In other words, the kingdom of God is those followers of Christ. We are tiny little agents. But it goes on to say, it's like a mustard seed which a man took and he planted in the field. And though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet it grows. It is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and they perch in its branches. Garden. You know what God wants out of you and out of me? It's for us just to have the faith of a tiny mustard seed. If you just had that kind of faith, just that little bit of faith, 
if you just were willing to give that much of yourself to the Lord, the Bible is teaching us the Lord can take that and He can multiply it and He can increase it and He can grow us in ways like we can't even imagine. Jesus went on and after He told the story about the mustard seed, He told the story about the yeast, about how the kingdom of God is is like yeast. A woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. In other words, the yeast was just a little bit, but this woman had 60 pounds of flour and she mixed that little bit of stuff right in there and watched how it grew true bread. I want to tell you something and I want you to hear what I got to say. I do not want to be a weed. I want to be a seed that the Lord can plant. And when the Lord is able to plant His power and His strength into my life and your life, we can see things happen like we have never seen before. The Lord can take a little bit of mustard seed. He can take a little bit of your faith and He can multiply it. And we can see the kingdom of God expand and grow in wonderful ways. And the harvest of God, we shall be ready for the harvest of God when we have turned ourselves completely over to Him. I tell you, this, this, this passage of Scripture, whole chapter 13 is amazing. It's a wonderful story. And here's the question that I have for you as we wrap it up today. Where are you in your walk with the Lord? Let's go back to the first story. Are you hard-hearted with Him? He's trying to talk to you and He's just bouncing off of you. Have you gone shallow with Him? In other words, you're just not very deep with the Lord. You're not very committed. Some of you, you're not even tithing. You don't even believe in it. But the Bible teaches us to do that. You know, the only people that get upset with me talking about tithing are the ones that don't do it. It's because the Bible teaches us to do that. The Bible teaches us to be obedient to God and to follow Him and to pray. Some folks, some people who claim to be Christians don't even pray every day. They're just trying to deal life on their own. Why are you not praying to the Lord each day of your life? And when it comes to the Word of God, how much of this Word are you hiding in your heart? You see, we're never going to be able to go deep. And then there are those of us who've gone deep with the Lord and we've allowed the cares and the worries of this world to wrap around us and choke the very life of God out of us. We can't even rejoice in the Lord because we are annoyed by what we're in in this world. But there are those who hear the Word of God, who understand the Word of God, who don't become weedy in their life, but they become the wheat. And when they become the wheat, they understand all about how God is in control through Jesus, that this world, is we've been called to reach it, that the good seed, we are the good seed of the kingdom of God. We're going to have to deal with the enemy, and we're going to have to deal with those folks that are in our congregation. We're never going to weed out this congregation. Let me just tell you that right now. There's always going to be something within this congregation of conflict that we may have to deal with. But I'll tell you one thing, as long as our God is in control, we got nothing to worry about. 
And we don't have anything to worry about individually. But when we allow the Lord to come into our life, He will take care of the satanic forces. He will take care of those evil forces. And we will begin to understand what the harvest of God is starting to feel like when our God is in control and He has full and total access to us. I thank God for His Holy Word. And I thank God that He's trying to plant in me each day of my life. God wants to grow you. And God wants to grow me. He wants me to be a stronger Christian tomorrow than I am today. And He wants that for you. But here's the key. You have got to give yourself to Him fully and completely. So Lord, we come to You today thanking You so very much for the solid teaching and reading of Your Word. Lord, You have called us to be true followers. Some of us have allowed ourselves to be tied down too much to this world through the worry and the wealth of this world. But yet, Lord, You went on and You told about this wonderful wheat that we can be. But Lord, You can nurture us and You can grow us and even when there are tares and weeds around us, we can become stronger and stronger each day we follow You. So Lord, in these moments as we think about how we can be obedient to You, I pray, dear Lord, that You will fill our hearts and our minds with how important it is to follow Jesus each day of our life. And it is in His holy and wonderful, blessed name that I make this prayer. Amen. Let's stand together and sing, and the pastor will be in the front lobby if you would like to just slip out and speak with him this morning.
Amen. Are you glad you came this morning? Me too. Listen, as you're going out this morning, there are going to be guys standing there at all the exit doors. Uh, They will receive your offering if you would like to put it there. There's some boxes on the wall as you go out, little black boxes that if you would prefer to do it that way, you can do it there. And also the guys will collect your ballots. So please be sure. I'm sure you've prayed carefully and diligently. And now we see what God will do. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. That we have been here, we've been directed straight to your word. And Lord, in your word, there are challenges and questions about who we are. Who we are. Lord, I pray that we will be the wheat. I pray that we will only be of you. And we turn our eyes to Jesus for that. We love you. We thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen.